Good evening, and welcome to Midnight Audio Theater, the weekly show where we bring you new and original audio dramas, be they adventure, mystery, sci-fi, or comedy. I'm your host, Kathy Ranella. And hello again, audio drama enthusiasts. Glad to have you here. Now that October is past and we are quickly approaching the end of the year, we thought it might be a good time to listen to some stories that are a bit closer to home. Tonight we'll be listening to a dramatization of columnist Ernie Pyle's travels from our Indiana neighbors at WFIU, and an introduction to all of the strange things in nature that surround us, if you know where to look, from right here in central Ohio. It's The Crypto Naturalist, Episode 1, followed by The Ernie Pyle Experiment, Episodes 1 and 2, coming up tonight. And also, I'm out of time to talk, so be sure to check out both of those shows at indianapublicmedia.org and cryptonaturalist.com. And be sure to hear more about The Crypto Naturalist when we've got them on our show next week as well. Enjoy The Crypto Naturalist and The Ernie Pyle Experiment. Happy listening. Drink deep of the gathering gloom, fellow wanderers, and know that each and every moment two places on earth are held in that uneasy, weightless twilight space between night and day. At least two, that is. Welcome to the Crypto Naturalist. invited me into your ears and minds. You have not turned your nose up at my mud-caked boots, my burr-haunted beard, my green eyes so distant and shadowed from gazing too long into the rich loam, the secretive treetops, the jealous mountain valleys, and the frankly catty streams and rivers. So here we are together, mutual hosts, Mutual seekers, mutual thirsty vagabonds wandering in a scorching information desert. Our only water, the secrets of the wilderness. Let us begin today exactly where I began the day, digging like a badger beneath a blue spruce in the parking lot landscaping of the Waffle House, not far from the intersection of Ohio 71 and State Route 37. Blue spruces, as I expect most listeners to this program would already know, are renowned for sheltering unique, singular creatures of all sorts. They, of course, share that renown with Waffle House landscaping in general. Yes, the venerable old biome of the Waffle House parking lot, not unlike the great coral reefs of Mother Gaia, have seen the sunrise and new life and the sunset of extinction for many a rare and fleeting species of flora and fauna, most famously the terrestrial seahorse and the mecca shrew. So, listeners, you can imagine that the confluence of blue spruce and waffle house was just too tempting a treat for this mossy old secret hound to pass by. Allow me to paint you a picture. 6.20 a.m. on a morning in late April. Cold, 
but with the promise of a spring-fattened sun rising in a cobalt sky. The Doppler, whoosh, and roar of the highway, like the breath of a colossus stretched out on the couch of the countryside. The sweet, smoky smell of shredded wood rising from the dark blanket of freshly spread mulch beneath my knees. The sweeter, smokier smell of the Waffle House, an invisible companion to all of my efforts. There could be little doubt that the stage was set for discovery. There I was, crawling on my belly like the humble mecca shrew, pressing myself beneath the fragrant boughs of spruce, peering at the damp, sun-dappled landscape mere feet from asphalt, and yet light years away from human civilization. As my eyes adjusted to the shadows, the first thing I noticed were the pink, rounded tips of my own fingers worming their way up from beneath the earth on the far side of the trunk. Now, I know I have some budding young naturalists that listen to this program, so here's an important lesson for you new folks. If you see your own fingers sprouting from the ground like mushrooms, your first urge is going to be to reach down and clasp those familiar-looking digits in your own and haul yourself up from beneath the earth the way you'd haul a drowning librarian out of a cistern and back onto dry land. Friends, resist that urge. Seasoned naturalists will tell you, grabbing those tickle sticks buys you nothing but a one-way trip to a dark mirror version of your life. It's a cold, lightless existence in which eons seem to pass while wet, Eyeless facsimiles of your loved ones attempt to gaslight you into thinking that there was never any such thing as sunlight, never any such thing as dry, warm comfort sitting in your own home, never any such thing as homes or comfort at all. You'll spend vast, unmeasurable lifetimes in that other place until driven by some instinct far removed from any part of your half-forgotten past in the daylight world you'll stoop and drive your fingers into the haunted fungal surface beneath your feet and touch the other used fingers and swap places yet again continuing the cycle and and then desperately fighting to believe that your time in the dark under places was nothing but a twisted half-remembered dream So, don't touch those fingers. A quick pro-naturalist tip from me to you. I just chuckled at those fingers and shouted into the soil, It's still your turn, you forsaken creature! You'll never have a name again! That did the trick. The fingers seemed to wilt and recede at a pace I can only describe as hopeless. It's always satisfying when years of experience out in the field pay off. One feels a kind of harmony with the natural world, a fluency in the language of the wild. Speaking of language of the wild, that brings us to today's Hidden Lore segment. Today's Hidden Lore is a poem entitled The Changeling Answer by Jared Anderson. Stir up chains in a big pot. Stick it on the stovetop at high heat. Pepper in some... Silver dust and witch hazel. 
When the metal half glows and your forearms burn from stirring, dump it all into a sack with the thing. Let the hot metal slither in like a snake down onto the limbs of your not-daughter, your used-to-be son. You can't get back what it's taken. You can't even kill it, not really. But that's not the point. You can remind them, those little men of dusk and leaf litter, that we don't always come unhinged in our grief. That there is anger in us, more strong and biting than the red, wet thrashings of tooth and claw. Well, that poem gives us all something to think about. Changelings are a nasty business. In fact, I have a niece who's a changeling. Of course, I'd rather not say which niece, because I like to let nature take its course in such cases. But I can tell you my cold iron filling buzzes like a housefly whenever she's around. Quite a nuisance. I stayed prone and motionless beneath the spruce for some time, letting myself acclimate to my surroundings, becoming part of the landscape. Like Ralph Waldo Emerson's transparent eye, I became a collection of senses and nothing more, completely open to the world around me. The chatter of the Waffle House patrons filtering in through the spruce like tinny transmissions from an alien world. Mommy, what's that man doing? Shush, don't look at him. Just keep walking. <laughs> I watched sow bugs, those insect-like crustaceans that travel the leaf litter like mobile fortresses of jointed steel, seek back and forth like armored weaving shuttles. I saw a black and yellow orb weaver spider, crossed the back of my hand on her way to find the perfect gallery for her next silken masterpiece. And as the sun rose in the sky and my body became a half-remembered thing in the wake of my intense focus on the ground in front of me, I saw what I had been waiting for, something new. They were small, gray, furry creatures. Besides their fur and eerily human faces, they looked a lot like hermit crabs, though instead of shells, the rear portions of their bodies were concealed by various bits of Waffle House detritus. Single-use creamers, Splenda packets, crude cylinders woven from coffee stir sticks. They appeared all at once, arriving in a single-file line from behind the trunk of the spruce. There was no indication as to whether they had been patiently concealing themselves on the reverse side of the trunk, or if they had mastery of some fourth dimension not easily accessed without more equipment from my kitchen junk drawer. Around a dozen in total, they stood before me and looked up at me with wide, questioning eyes. One of them, who had an impressive handlebar mustache, seemed to take note of my attempt to remain motionless and spoke to the others in a voice that sounded a bit like the crackle of a fresh bowl of Rice Krispies. After that, they did their very best to take no notice of me, milling about and attempting to make me feel concealed. I could tell they were doing their best, but a number of them kept stealing glances at me. One, in particular tried to mask her staring by hiding her eyes behind the sweep of her bangs. 
It was a good effort, but I felt increasingly awkward and out of place. I sighed and made peace with the fact that I had discovered a new species of cryptid, even if I wasn't able to observe anything like truly natural behavior. It was still an achievement and a pretty good Friday morning, even by Waffle House standards. I muttered a polite excuse about getting home to feed my dogs and shimmied out from beneath the tree. I tried not to take it personally when I heard the creature's speech become more natural upon my departure. I decided to call this new species the Woolly Waffle Crab, and I, for one, hope they're a permanent fixture on this great planet's menu of biodiversity, not simply a limited-time promotion. I hope their quantities are not limited, and that all potential habitats are participating locations. I brushed myself off and spared a fond kick for the tires of Cassandra, my 1985 Winnebago Lasharo, the venerable old vehicle that serves as my home, mobile laboratory, public lending library, and all-purpose sanctuary. She's one of a kind, a gift from the fine folks at Winnebago, after I helped them with a potentially embarrassing situation involving Arctic vortex beetles and a prototype air conditioning unit. Suffice it to say, engineers should stick to engineering and let crypto-naturalists do the crypto-naturalizing. I followed the rumble of my stomach toward the friendly yellow glow of the Waffle House. Discovery is hungry work, and its wages are enduring wonder. And sometimes fresh waffles and a large order of hash browns, scattered, covered, and chunked. Until next time, remember... We're all strange animals, so act like it. The Crypto Naturalist is written and read by Jared Anderson. To send questions, poems, or short prose pieces for the Hidden Lore segment, email cryptonaturalistpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Banish Misfortune, played by Andrew Collins. For more information about Andrew's music, visit andrewcollinstrio.com. The Crypto Naturalist is recorded in News Goblin Studios. Stay curious, stay wild, stay weird. WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana, where you don't need to be an expert if you learn something new every day. News at the top of the hour. I'm Carrie O'Nanon. And I'm Dan V. Press. In a growing effort to take our mind off world events, we here in the newsroom have decided to replace the trending news bites, typical of our daily routine, with something that has been lost in recent years due to the demise of that great American institution, the newspaper. Yes, that's right, Carrie. I know. And with last July's breaking news of the discovery of thousands of hours of sound recordings, on the side of the box is written 1935 to 1942, the Hoosier Vagabond and that girl who rides with him. From one of the all-time great reporters of the art form and Indiana's favorite son, you're in for a treat today. I'm Carrie O'Nanon, and with the story is the omniscient Dan V. Prescott. It's Prescott. Thank you, Carrie. On and on. I'm Carrie O'Nanon. And on. I am. Well, folks, you are in for a treat today because you 
will be the first to hear the story from the source himself. Where this wandering business will get us or where it'll end, I have no idea. My boss in Washington got tired of my pestering about the travel ideas, so he said, oh, all right, go on, get out, try it a little while as an experiment, we'll see how it turns out. From that day on, he never mentioned it again. That is the voice of famed World War II correspondent and newspaper columnist Ernie Pyle. Only one recording of Ernie Pyle's voice was known to exist till late last year when that grand treasure trove of wire spools was found. For those out of the know, before the war, Pyle and his wife traveled the United States and parts abroad, gathering stories to be used in a newspaper column for the Scripps Howard News Service. The task amounted to 1,000 words a day, six days a week. And now, thanks to these recordings, we know what that sounds like. I can go on about it, but heck, I ought to just stop talking right here and let old Ernie get to it himself. Hello, this is Ernie Pyle, the Hoosier Vagabond, and this is that girl who rides with me. Here we are. Welcome to the Ernie Pyle Experiment, Episode 1, The Bourgeois Standard. Imagine, if you will, early June of 1936, a hotel room in Northwest Iowa. Ernie and his wife, Jerry, seem to be wrestling with the task of recording themselves. Oh. All right, then. Mr. RCA. better acquainted. You and your fancy knobs and your chrome grill. Anyway, this whole thing lacks perspective. No, sir, we still aren't completely on board with this, by the way. Not by a long shot. It's I know not you like kept it on... was a request. Well, did they give Haywood Brun one of these wire voice boxes to lug with him wherever he goes? <laughs> really? <laughs> I doubt it. Anyway, I have a chip on my shoulder, so you know. But listen, we have taken it out some. You don't have to believe me. Oh, just because you say something doesn't mean it magically comes true. But when you make a promise about something... You some... shouldn't lie. You calling me a liar? Not yet. Not yet. What am I about to lie about, then? You've been using the recorder on people. I have used it. They gave us that thing well over a year ago. You haven't even changed the wire yet. I have. Look, they last a long time. What is that? It's <laughs> 24, 28-gauge wire. One of these spools lasts for an hour. Not even halfway through yet. Yeah, yeah, look. It's maybe three-quarters of the way through. Oh, well, haven't you been busy? Well, there's a lot more in there. Look, we're headed home, so back, back at the office, they're going to want to hear some stuff. I promised I'd use the cursed thing, so we're going to open it up a bit more in the coming days. And Fine, fine, but really what's on there is you complaining anyway. It's all the more reason to fill up these spools so I won't get yelled at. So, what I'm trying to get around to saying is to explain that what we just recorded yesterday, it's, it's well, you what's just on before this, this wire. this before that. This before what? Before what's on there yesterday. Well, how do you do that? 
Oh, do it first, I guess. Well, I'm here now. Well, something to think about. That's all. Just think about it. Anyway, yesterday, somewhere we picked up a traveler. He was headed to some place. He had to get there quick, and uh, he had a little guitar. We ready? No, uh, wait a minute. Okay. Jerry, come on. He's going right, to sing another one. song. Hold on. I'll turn off the engine. Okay. Hurry up. Me, me, me. Me, me, me. <laughs> tune it up. Okay. Do your thing. If I'm out of tune, what do you want for nothing? <laughs> no, but thank you for the lift. I should, you I bet. should, I should say I appreciate. Well, you I, bet. Well, it depends on how well this song goes. So. Uh oh. We'll see what this is I a like. good one. This one's filled with drama. <laughs> it's filled with drama and and historical accuracy. Oh boy. Okay. You ready? All sure. right. This is as a true story now. Ever. I heard this one with my own eyes. Now, the CCC, you might agree, puts men back to work by federal decree, making roads and parks and trails and dams. Now Roosevelt's more popular than Abraham. Lincoln, that's Abe Lincoln. Now, come on, keep up now. Oh, sure. Feels good for folks to be busy as Bumblebee. Well, the Forestry Division, they came to town with two flatbeds full of pine trees. They started looking around. We can plant them here, we can plant them there. Without looking for a spot that was bare, they opted for the courthouse square and cleared the ground. All right. Yeah, they cut them down. The old trees that were there, they turned to stumps. No. Moved all of them out and over to the dump. So they planted them here and they planted them there in the same old holes the old trees shared. It's just as wrong as putting lipstick on your rump. Here, I'll say it again. It's just as wrong as putting lipstick on your rump. Probably slippery too. <laughs> well, I like new bridges, roads, curbs, and ditches. I'm fine with our tax dollars, iron out the glitches. Too. But who the heck is in charge of hiring that guy that gives the heave ho to a bunch of fine, fully grown shade trees that were already there doing the job they were tasked with a full 70 years ago when they were planted? Was that? Yeah. That the too? idea is, yeah, the idea is you can legislate a WPA, right? Right. Right. right? But you can't legislate a common sense administration? A CSA? <laughs> Last CSA yeah, didn't do that, too well. No, that did no, not. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> for this administration, though, we need three new letters. So, okay, okay what's another word for common? Bourgeois. Bourgeois, that's mm -hmm. good. Yeah. And another word for sense? Well, sense is sense. It's the standard bearer of its own meaning, it, Ooh, it clarifies itself. Ooh, she's on a period. She's yeah. on a roll. Well, let's yeah. see. In this case, well, the this word standard itself does. could wow. be. Kind of a sideways glance, uh, definition of bourgeois yeah. itself. Who's the writer here? Shh! Bourgeois standard, the like shared definition. Moving down to some of the two parts, bourgeois standard, the standard being sensibility, and then you have the same meaning, common sense. So, yes, bourgeois standard. Wow! Bourgeois standard. I like that, bourgeois standard. <laughs> I like it too. The BS administration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, BS administration, okay. Now, common sense is common sense, though some ignore this as pretense. And old Thomas Paine, this land meandered, hoisting up the colors of the bourgeois standard. Yeah. See what here, I did there? Here. Standard, huh? Right. See that flag? Oh! Standard? Standard yeah. song. <laughs> song. Oh, standard oh. song. 
when the song is sung at their expense. We'll vote them out in our defense until we get the ones with common sense to lead the folks with common sense. That's the world true. right now don't make no sense. It sure don't. About to explode. The center. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Filled with <laughs> TNT. <laughs> look, look, I only sing. That's it. It's funny. Uh, but I'm not a complainer, and I despise complainers, and I say so. I, you know, I listen to those words I just made up there, mm -hmm. and if I heard them from somebody else, I'd say to him, well, then you step in there, you think you can do better. And I don't think I can, but I guess complaining, if you don't feel you have any power to change anything, feels like the most effective tool in the shed. So You've you know, got I'm, a point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I voted for Roosevelt, don't get me wrong, but that doesn't mean I don't get to complain, does it, for goodness I sake? sure don't. I mean, these CCC boys here, they took out a stand of trees from the ground just to plant the trees that they had on their truck is so that, they could go out there and get some beer. Is that true? That's good. I saw it with my own ears. <laughs> if, that, if that don't make a follower of the bourgeois standard angry, I don't know what. Anyways, yeah. I only dissent when I'm making up songs, what not, fiddling. That's all. Yeah. That's what okay. standard bourgeois do. Yeah, it's art. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's my art form there. So. Or so you think, anyway. <laughs> So I'm bourgeois now, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's official. Aren't we all? <laughs> Drink? Drink. Okay. <laughs> Maybe there is a use for this thing. It does give me thinking that if folks ever do listen to these wires, they might see I've been fibbing in my column. Well, only if you admit it. <laughs> well, the thing is, I don't even know I'm doing it till I go back and listen to what actually happened. I tell you, it makes you think how much our imagination immediately begins filling in for the facts. Well, maybe it'll keep you honest. It'll keep me boring is what I'm afraid of. Did I play for you that little girl in Kalispell? No. Well, this is what I mean. I, I, I like what we were talking about, what she said, but what if I want to write about something not on the wire? Well, write whatever you want. Nobody's going to hear this anyway. Yeah, Lee Miller will hear it. Then it'll give him an excuse to get in there and start rewriting my stuff. Oh, that just gets my goat. Who does he think he is, anyway? Really? You'd be the damn editor of that rag if you wanted it. I should, right? Mm -hmm. No, he's not that bad. He is that bad. And if your stuff needs anything, you give it to me first, or I will quit. You will? Just watch me. And if I have to fight that pimple-nosed pinch fist, I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go get a drink, Ernie. Let me play this wire, the one with the little red-headed girl first. Well, you just said if my right needs anything to give it to you first. Right, all right. That's what we're doing. Go ahead. So what are we thinking right about here? Memory. Memory itself. I'm not sure it's as accurate as I think it is. And what do you remember about it? I remember a little girl about 10 years old, sitting with her baby brother in the shade, Watching her grandmother washing clothes in Flathead Lake, and there was nothing that girl couldn't see. Fish. Okay. Hey, Frankie, you come you. over here with me. Yep. Come on. Fishing. Let's leave her alone. Come over this way. Come on, Frankie. Here, I'll give you a... Let's walk this way. Oh, watch your step. You come over here and help me wash. Yep. There we go. There we go. Is that your wife? Uh, that woman over there, yeah. Yeah, that's my wife. Is she drunk? Y yes. Whoa! Ernie! I'm glad we came here. Whoa! What does she want? What does she want? Yes. Well, you're an insightful little human, aren't you? What are you doing out here? Well, 
Now, what is your name? <laughs> Judy. This is Frankie. Ah, Judy, I'm Ernie. Hello, Frankie. He says hi. Uh, oh, well, does he now? <laughs> okay, Judy, I'm a newspaper writer. They call me a columnist. I write six stories a week for the Scripps Howard chain of newspapers. I've never met one of you before. Is that why you're here? I am always looking for my next story. Hey, Ernie! Ern! Little girl! Come here! <laughs> There's so many fishes! Why are you ignoring her? Ignore, ignoring who? Your wife. Oh, well, you're right full of questions, aren't you? So what? Well, when you get married, you might understand. I've never seen anyone drunk in daylight. Well, you ought to try it there. You're funny. I got something <laughs> for you to drink. You know I'm kidding, right? Yes. Okay. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> I'm stepping on the rocks. Do you think she's going to fall into the lake? Oh, I hope so. Oh, you do not. <laughs> no, I don't. Do you like her? Do I like her? Why are you repeating everything I say? It's just, I need a little air here. I, do I like her? Do you? <laughs> well, yeah. I love her. Why? Why? Okay, look, I'm the one with the newspaper column. Let me ask the questions. When I grow up, I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do. Oh, yeah? I'll be the one doing the telling. I'm not living anybody else's life but my own. Well, shoot her. And I sure as heck won't let no, no. anything get in my way. No, no, no. Oh, 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 my God! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Your wife fell in the lake. My wife? <laughs> oh, boy. Sure was cute. <laughs> you wanted me to hear that, didn't you? Why not? It doesn't have anything to do with your memory. Just you just want to laugh at me. No, I don't. You do. I don't. No, I want you to laugh. Go ahead, at write you. your story. I'm just gonna tell everybody you pushed me in. What? <laughs> they can hear for themselves that isn't true. True? What does that mean? I'll tell them you pushed me with a long stick or something. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> See? Maybe everything you hear isn't what you hear. That's what I mean. Better make sure your notes are backing up the lies this machine is telling. <sighs> Guess we'll have to let it lie. Uh -huh. I am opposed to note-taking in all its forms. Really? Mm -hmm. Really? Well, let's see about that. Um, where did we just come from? You think I don't know? No, I know you don't know. Well, we just came uh, from... Mm-hmm. South Dakota last night. <laughs> you don't remember Minnesota already. Oh, Minnesota, big deal. <laughs> Where are we now? Some town with a lake in it. It's northeast Iowa. Let me look. <laughs> oh, what's that? What's that in your hand? My notebook. Oh, so you do take notes. You know I do. I have to get folks' names, right? Names and places. <laughs> this is uh, Spirit Lake, Iowa. Yep. And shame on you. First Whoa. you pushed me in with a big stick, and now you're lying to these people. <laughs> what people? Whoever's listening to us. 
Where are we headed anyway? I already told you we're going home. Where's that? Dana, Indiana. Liar! I knew it. We agreed we were going home. Dana is home to some people. Don't play this game with me, Ern. Well, it is. I knew it when you didn't want to go through Chicago. I knew you were going to steer us to your folks. It'll only be for a few days. Then we can go home. You haven't forgotten where that is? Well, let me check my notes. How do I know you haven't bought us a house somewhere and forgot to tell me about it? Well, that's a good idea. Right, just a few days in Dana with your folks and then straight home to Washington. For real. <laughs> well, if I don't forget. I need to write. Later that night. You want to hear this? Go ahead. Travel, they say, is educational. And so we have found it in our first years of constant wandering. Why, if I had been sitting at a desk instead of busting around, I never would have learned that Pocahontas was buried in England, or that most laundries insist on putting starch in white pants. And I'm sure I never would have gotten into my head where Patagonia is. Neither would I have known where the Red River is, but I now know of so many Red Rivers that I don't know which one the song was written about. And if I had been behind a desk, I never would have ridden with a long unseen cousin dragging redwood logs out of the California mountains with a caterpillar. There is one thing, however, that travel has not taught me. What makes a noise come out of a radio? We have traveled by practically all forms of locomotion, including piggyback. We've been at least three times into every state of the union. We have not spent a Christmas in a home in four years. I spent one fourth of July in hip boots, sheepskin coat, mittens, and a stocking cap. And we've celebrated New Year's three times in shirt sleeves. <laughs> Travel is so confusing. Speaking of confusion, my most confused moment was at the airport in Mexico City. Ladies and men's retiring rooms there were labeled Senoras and Senoras. Now that's an awful lot alike. So I walked smack into the ladies' room no harm done, however, and I walked right out again then. I took my bearings, consulted my Spanish dictionary, lit a cigarette for nonchalance, and this time walked confidently and correctly into the men's department. And I'll be damned if there weren't two old ladies in there. Americans, too. Farthest I've driven in one day is 570 miles from a ranch in the center of Arizona, clear into Los Angeles. I'll never do that again. A fella gets awfully sleepy driving, especially right after lunch on a hot day. Several times I've had to stop and walk up and down the road to wake up. Once we stopped on the desert for me to take a little nap, I have never heard such intense quiet. That girl who rides with me was reading a newspaper. This sounds incredible, but the slight rustling of her paper made so much noise in the desert stillness that I couldn't go to sleep, sleepy as I was. I never said anything to her about it. The question most frequently asked of us is, aren't you getting awfully sick of traveling by now? The answer is an honest no, though it is impossible some of these days we might come to hate the impermanency of travel. I've tried to figure out myself why we haven't tired of it. And my conclusion is, 
then our travel is a means of escape. We don't have to stay and face anything out. If we don't like a place, we can move on. If something happens that isn't pleasant, we can leave. Settle it later by letter or just let it go forever. Stability cloaks you with a thousand little personal responsibilities and we've been able to flee from them. But just as important with us, I suspect, is the fact we can't stay long even in the places we love. There's no opportunity for lingering disillusionment. I remember that once years ago we loved Arizona so much that when we crossed the Colorado River for the last time we could hardly talk for the lumps in our throats. We left Hawaii with broken hearts. We can hardly speak of the people in Sun Valley, Idaho without bubbling over. We hardly dare go to Albuquerque, we hate so believe. We still love all those places because we always had to leave before the sweet taste could turn to vinegar. And also before they could find out about us and kick us out. The Ernie Pyle Experiment is produced at WFIU on the campus of Indiana University. For complete credits of cast and crew for each episode, visit WFIU.org slash Ernie Pyle Podcast. Also, find the Ernie Pyle Experiment wherever you access your media. WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana. I'm Carrie Ananon. Uh, I, I mean, I'm Carrie Ananon. Damn it. Um, I'm Carrie O'Nanon. Mm. WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana, where you don't need to be an expert if you learn something new every day. When Ernie retreated into himself to write, Jerry stayed alert and ready to help at any moment. She passed the time by keeping her nose in the latest novel, or playing a double cross puzzle, or simply browsing the dictionary she toted around like a King James Bible, waiting to use it. Now, old Ernie, I think he knew what she wanted, but he had to get the work done. Talking about the work while the work was being done gets a fella nowhere, you know. But he also knew if he didn't engage her creativity soon, it could set into motion a prolonged melancholy, which she was prone to, which in turn would pull him into a quicksand of his own. Things kind of hung in the balance here. This was their formula, if you will. And when Ernie saw melancholy coming, he saw it in everything. Keep an ear out for it. Hello, this is Ernie Pyle, the Hoosier Vagabond, and this is that girl who rides with me. Shh, I'm sleeping. Welcome to the Ernie Pyle Experiment, episode two. That long, sad wind. Listen to this wind. The shady rest of maple trees. Two or so miles away from my folks' place, Dana, Indiana. You want one of these eggs? What's that? Do you want another egg? There's two left, but we ran out of salt. No, thank you. Where's my typewriter? I just got an idea. What's your idea? 
Well, let me punch it out and I'll read it to you. Here, eat this. I don't want it. I'll stick it up your nose if you don't. I can't do it without salt. Can't find the salt. Well, typewriter? In the trunk. Oh, here's the salt. Want another egg now? I found the salt. Shouldn't have so much salt anyway. Can't be good for you. It should get an egg down a lot easier, though. Ah, what the heck? I'll die young. Old age is just a capricious notion anyway, isn't it? What is that word? Huh? Capricious? Yes, capricious. A swift, abrupt, unmotivated, unpredictable condition. Change, transformation, and I'm right about that. Don't make me look it up. Wind. I kinda like it. It's warm out, but it cools. I think your sweat's gonna drown you and then it's gone. I think this wind has a touch of caprice, don't you? I think this wind does have it and then some, but it makes me melancholy. Capricious seems like a happy word. Why can't melancholy be happy? Well, I wish it was, but it's yeah, not. Yeah, I know the definition, you knucklehead. I'm just saying I can't tell the difference. Hey, who's that? Ernie? That Ernie Pyle? Who is that? Bobby Webster? Ernie Pyle? Bobby Webster, you old so-and-so. How are you then? I am fine. How are you? Fine, fine, fine. What are you doing out here? Well, we just driven a few hundred miles and we thought we'd take a nap before all the excitement. Dad and mother always make sure everything gets talked about before anybody gets to Oh, your folks have been so talking to everyone that'll listen oh, that I you're bet. on your way home. Well, would you look at this guy? Honey, this is Bobby Webster. Mm -hmm. He was, what, you were seven or eight years old I saw you last. About that, yeah. And how old are you now? I'm 22. 22? Oh. Holy jeez. Did you hear that, Jerry? Holy jeez. Nice to meet you, Bobby. Oh. We sure are proud of you around here, Ernie. Oh. You certainly made a name for yourself. Well, okay. Say, what have you been doing with yourself? Well, I'm running the place now. Oh, good for you. Now, what do you got in the ground right now, then? Uh, soybeans and sorghum? Just corn. Just corn, huh? Yeah, we've been seeing a lot of that. I thought this time of year it was for... Well, I don't know. Well, well, how's the weather been, then? It's dry and getting hotter. This wind just don't seem to stop. When it, when it gets like this, it just tends to dry things down a bit. We need the humidity right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather the weather glass be on the low side when mm -hmm. we need that moisture. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a sad wind, ain't it? It's an old sad wind. Yeah, it, it sure is. Beautiful, though. It sure is. A long, sad wind. Care for a nip of some sweet and old and all things good and necessary? What you got? A little bit of granddaddy's cherry pie. Well, it's oh. in the truck. Let me go get it, huh? Ooh, what's that? Granddad's what now? <laughs> That's the best homemade you never have. That's a daring statement. Hey, how is your grandpa, Bob? He's dead. But he left us this recipe to remember him by. And so the lesson was doled out once again, that if you drink too much, you get drunk. And if you get drunk, at some point, you're going to want to sleep. And if you get drunk enough, 
any old place will do, except your folks' house. Don't go there. Four thirty a.m. <clears throat> Granddad's cherry pie knocked our teeth out. <laughs> Drank it all up. Jerry's still sleeping in the car. I figured we ought to sleep it all off before coming to mom and dad's, but I can't. So drove up here, out front of the old pile place. Figured I'd try and do some composing until the lights go on. So let's see. There's nobody here to judge my work habits. I get to make this job up as I go. Mostly it has to do with sitting and thinking. Better than farm work. Let's see. This wind. Yeah. What is it? I guess this is where I first thought about such things, though. What is it? On its own merit, for words and science, wind can only be felt, not ever understood. Can it be gotten to the bottom of? All the time spent here beneath these trees as a boy, what comes to mind is I feel heartbroken. This wind is melancholy, unending. All this restlessness I feel right here in this place. Never knew what it was when I was a boy, you know. If you asked me then, I'd have shrugged my skinny shoulders and gone fishing. Oh, someone's up. Light in the kitchen just went on. Now I feel like I gotta go in. You don't wanna stay here outside. and need to sit with the folks and drive as fast as I can to parts unknown all at the same time. Whoo, why is that? I haven't the words. I shrug my skinny shoulders and wonder if the fish are biting. noise for Mom, shh, she's sleeping. Well, she shouldn't be sleeping out in the yard in the first place. She's in the car. Kids these days. Come here, young lady. Give your boy a hug. Oh, you're as skinny as a three-legged lamb. Look at you. <laughs> Why is a three-legged lamb skinny? Well, can't stand it to teat. <laughs> Well, I like teats, all right. I suppose I'm just not trying. What's she feeding you? The hard-boiled eggs, mostly. She hates doing it, but I guess I wouldn't eat a damn thing if she didn't. Settle down here and Dana, and we'll get her up to snuff in the kitchen. Well, you might be a bit overconfident there. Just come back where you belong. We can figure something out. <laughs> Is Dad awake? He's getting ready to go to work. Doing what? Wallpaper in the Yoder's sitting room. He doesn't have enough to do around here, then? Oh, it never ends. As soon as you get the north of the house painted, it starts peeling on the uh -huh. south. Work. I suppose you know nothing about it. Oh, sure. Never ends, I'll tell you. Like the infinite flow of Old Man River. That's true. So why isn't the old timer painting the house here, then? You gotta get the money when the money's there to get got. Until then, we shall be the cobbler without shoes. <laughs> Come on in and get some breakfast, and get her up and out of that back seat. Will do, Mother. Come on now. If you think I'm spending a moment without you while you're here, well, you're wrong. 
Boy, I already want to get the hell out of here. So Ernie threw the recorder in the car and went inside. And what came of it is the start of Jerry using it as a diary of sorts. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is when we meet for the very first time Jerry's good old boyfriend, Jim. Stay with me now. to these wires, I'll be in trouble. He might even think I have a boyfriend. Maybe he should think that. I'm gonna call you Jim. My boyfriend, Jim. <laughs> it's nice to talk to someone sometimes, tell you, Jim. I don't know about you, but when I get a chance, I'm gonna go for a long walk and I am staying out past dark. It's a little place I like to go to, but it tracks in town, secret. <laughs> uh, it's from the Volstead years. The police acted like it was not even there. Well, when they were in uniform anyway. I swear, Jimmy boy, I would take you, but you are fat. And if you got too drunk, I could not carry you home. Just a second. Hiya, Pop. Good morning. Good morning. There's a comfy bed waiting for you Oh, inside. I know. Thank you. It's comfy. You get a crick in your neck, and then where would you be? Well, I guess I'd be out here with a crick in my neck, I suppose. It's comfy. Okay. There's coffee. The way you drink, and I'm surprised you're out here with me letting it get cold. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that's true. Mm. I had to get away from all that yakking going oh, on inside there. Already? Oh, Lord, yes. I can't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> the second one stops to breathe, the other starts you have to right speed in. speed your timing up. Well, why? It gets me so riled up, I have to drink <laughs> more coffee to give myself something to do. Well, I don't know what to tell you then. I don't either. How long are you planning on staying? Oh, I'm not sure. Ernie's behind now. He usually likes to have a three-week cushion. What the heck kind of couch you put a three-week cushion on? <laughs> That's what we call the gap between the here and now and then whatever backstock his editor carries in his column. We'd like that cushion to be around the three-week mark. Uh, sure, I get you. Well, he could stuff that cushion from right here, you know. We'll stay out of your way. I know. He could take some time off anyway. Well, a thousand words a day, six days a week. You know, gotta get that hay in the barn. Don't I know it. I want to stay myself, play catch up with you and Mom. You know, I love the fresh air, the good food, so you have me convinced. But 
He's the one with the car keys. Well, would you look at that? What? Your tires are all flat. No, they're... What? No, they're not. Not now. Tomorrow, when you try oh, and leave Dad, here too early. Oh, Dad, you wouldn't. Oh, I never. I would never. I'll be in in a bit. Comfy bed, comfy, cozy. <laughs> hey, there he is. She's still sleeping? She's awake. Oh, no, you think I'm a freeloader, lazy I, freeloader. I don't think, I know. <laughs> well, I don't think you know either. Don't worry, I know who the real freeloader is around oh, here. Oh, who, me? Let's just say, since I don't rest, I know who it ain't. Well, I don't rest either. <laughs> the heck you don't. Now, wait a minute. When your Ernest was about six years old, oh, he go. comes to me and tells me he's taking a half hour for rest before going back to the fields after lunch. <laughs> I told him if he sits that long after he eats, he won't want to get back up. He says he will and that he'll work harder if he rests. I knew that was hogwash and I was getting angry, so I just let him try it out. I figured he'd stay sleepy after and not get his chores finished. Then I'd have to get after him about it. Well, he went right over there and lay down under the shade trees. Yep. Fell asleep. Then I got uh, up and finished my chores. Did he? Uh, then he got up and finished his chores. Then I got to thinking maybe I should nap too. Maybe it'd be good for me too. Yeah. Keep my pep up late today. Well, I fell asleep for three hours, missed the milking because we had a lazy cow that if I wasn't on time, would lay back down and not get up until morning. <laughs> she lay there in the mud all night, then stayed there the next. No. Something went south. She got hard back and she was gone. Oh. I've made more mistakes, you know. Should have been a race car driver. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> anyway, now I stay awake, just drink more coffee. And you're going to live longer than me because of it. Because I nap. Well, what else am I talking about? Well, maybe it's the coffee. Now, that... don't tell me to quit the coffee. Then maybe you should take more naps. Mm. I just got through telling you what a nap could get Well, me. drink more coffee then. It's your life. <laughs> so you care. want me dead? Uh, I want no such thing. Where would you get the I idea? I got that... a feeling. Well, get a fact, would you? <laughs> <laughs> mm. 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 Well, okay, maybe I will. Anyway, I'm old. Maybe it's a bad job, me trying to make you see something that only I can ever feel. What a wind in these trees, boy, I tell you. You remember that, don't you? I sure do, Dad. I'm getting sad. Come get some coffee. I got a new percolator. It's good, but I have to leave the stove on, and I can't walk out the kitchen without worrying. Come get some coffee. I got a new <laughs> percolator. <laughs> Should have been a race car driver. <laughs> I know. It's great. <laughs> oh, boy. You think so? Yeah, yeah. Look at him walk. Oh, he's determined. <laughs> he just leans forward, looks like he's about to hit the ground, and puts his foot out. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, let's not get old, shall we? No. I need to write. Yeah. Yep, let's get that coffee. No, I'm gonna... Go take a walk. And she was gone all day. Poor old Ernie. He had a deadline with a live one on the other end. If one ever affected the other, it's in the ear of the beholder. 
So, behold this, my friend. Later that night in Ernie's bedroom. Close that window. Shh. Do you want to hear this? I'm sleeping. You're drunk. You're jealous. Okay, then here goes. I don't know whether you know that long, sad wind that blows so steadily across the thousands of miles of Midwest flatlands in the summertime. If you don't, it'll be hard for you to understand the feeling I have about it. Even if you do know it, you might not understand. To me, the summer wind in the Midwest is one of the most melancholy things in all life. It comes from so far and blows so gently, and yet so relentlessly. It rustles the leaves and the branches of the maple trees in a sort of symphony of sadness. And it doesn't pass on and leave them still, it just keeps coming, like the infinite flow of Old Man River. You could, and you do, wear out your lifetime on the dusty plains with that wind, the futility blown in your face. And when you're worn out and gone, the wind still saying nothing, still so gentle and sad, timeless, is still blowing across the prairies and will blow in the faces of the little men who follow you forever. One time in 1935, when I was driving across Iowa, I became conscious of the wind, and instantly I was back in character as an Indiana farm boy again. Like dreams came the memories the wind brought. I lay again on the ground under the shade trees at noontime with my half hour for rest before going back to fields and the wind and the sun and the hot country silence. Made me sleepy, and yet I couldn't sleep for the wind in the trees. The wind was like the afternoon ahead that would never end, and the days and the summers and even the lifetimes that would flow on forever, tiredly, patiently. Maybe it's a bad job my trying to make you see something that only I can ever feel. It is just one of those small impressions that form in a child's mind and grow stay with him through a lifetime. Even shaping a part of his character and manner of thinking, and he can never explain it. Capricious. What? Couldn't work capricious in there anywhere? Oh, yeah. I, that would've worked, I forgot. Whatever am I here for? The Ernie Pyle Experiment is produced at WFIU on the campus of Indiana University. For complete credits of cast and crew for each episode and to find past episodes, visit WFIU.org slash Ernie Pyle Podcast. Also, find the Ernie Pyle Experiment wherever you access your media. WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana. I'm Carrie O'Nanan. And don't you forget it. This is WCBE 90.5 FM Columbus and 106.3 FM Newark. We're also online at WCBE.org. 
CBE is the broadcast service of Columbus City Schools. And coming up next is the BBC World Service.